I would like us to start off today with remembering a very unique story that we've all heard countless times, but I want us to remember it in the sense of connecting it to this beautiful scheme of Waqf Jadid. <clears throat> and that is of an incident where a young boy was in a mosque in Qadian, praying and weeping, while an elderly man came to do his own prayer. Seeing that this child was so devoted to prayer, it perturbed him, it disturbed him. And he couldn't focus on his own prayer. He kept hearing this child weep and cry and really get as emotional as you can imagine. And he was shocked. He said, why is such a young child having such you know, emotion in his prayer? So naturally, in his own prayer, he started thinking about this child over and over. And then eventually, he decided to wait and see who this child really was. And lo and behold, none of us are surprised, but it was none other than Hazrat al-Muslim Aud, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, the, the promised son of the promised Messiah alayhi salam. But again, this was long before he claimed to be the, the promised son, before he claimed to be al-Muslim Aud. He was just a child. And so this, uh, this man asked him, he said, you know, so what on earth were you praying for that you were crying and weeping so much? Now imagine for a moment our own children, aged 9 or 10 years old. What do you think they would be crying and weeping for? Who knows? Maybe a new cell phone, the newest iPhone 13. Who knows what it is? Um, I'm sure we expect better. But nonetheless, you know, we wouldn't have imagined the response that we heard as we would hear from Hazrat al-Muslim. He said, I was praying that, oh Allah, show me the victory of Islam in my very life. Let me see it. Let me be a tool in the hand of God in a way that I should be able to see that victory with my own hands. That's very powerful. That's very profound, to be honest. When you think about such a young child and having such a, such a noble and glorious aim that they want to see Islam triumph and be victorious. And so if you look at the, the very life of Hazrat al-Muslimah, the, the various examples that he set for us and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the, the, his, from his birth, all the way till his death, you find that if you were to share the proof of the existence of God, the very prophecy of Muslim Aud is an easy, clear sign for the world to see that God indeed exists. How does a person nowadays, you know, many people ask, I wish I had a child. I wish I had a healthy child. You know, there's so many people who cannot even have children. And yet the promised Messiah announced that Allah's, Allah Almighty is going to give me a child, not just a child, but a son, and not just an ordinary son, but a son will have 52 different signs. He will have all these unique characteristics. And then God Almighty fulfilled one after the other. And it was 52 long years of his khilafat that he fulfilled all of those signs before mankind, before all of us. And so in this very unique and glorious way, we can easily prove the existence of God. And this is where we can tie in this very beautiful scheme of Waqf Jadid. And that is that one of the last initiatives that he initiated in his life before passing away. Remember that prayer. It's I want to see Islam in its glorious form before I pass away. Similarly, he initiated this scheme of Waqf Jadid, setting the groundwork, the foundation for that aim, for that glorious end of seeing Islam being victorious. And that was in the form of Waqf Jadid. And in essence, what is it? In a nutshell, I would say it is to look after the spiritual upbringing of people who live in rural communities, remote locations, 
places where they may not, you know, they, they may not have the, the right education, they may not have resources, they may not have medical assistance, and name it, education, all of those things, just because of the very remoteness of their location, they're deprived of these basic, you know, necessities that you and I take for granted. And so he felt that those people, people in these, whether it's, you know, developing nations, or it's just, you know, nations that may be developed, but they're ignoring these rural communities, Hazrat al-Muslim initiated this scheme so that those people would not be ignored, not be ignored by God Almighty, whose real mission is to uplift and, and bring about a great transformation of the entire world. And so this is where this waqfi jadid, this new devotion was really initiated. And one of the very first practical examples of its implementation was you know, in that very early era. When there was a you know a Hindu community in the Sindh province province um, that was very poor and actually they were mistreated by their their Muslim landowners and so they were put in such a difficult scenario and they were very remote and so people didn't care much about them and naturally the Christians as as our as Muslims are they're very you know pro uh, conversion right they they get out there and they preach so they decided to go to these remote locations and they started bringing those Hindu uh, Hindu communities into Christianity by swaying them in various ways, you know, giving them financial help and so on and so forth. And so at this very moment, at this kind of movement, transforming people away from Islam, away from the truth of God Almighty, Hazrat al-Muslim didn't sit there and say, oh, you know, we have to wait for the Muslims to do something. He was like, we are Islam, we are true Islam. And so immediately he sent, it was, I believe, 14 Muslimin, trained missionaries in the beginning, and it's now in the in probably in the thousands. But it was at this initial stage where he said, we must go out in the forefront. We must be out there, go to these frontier areas and bring people back one by one, bring them back to Islam, the truth. And if we don't do that, there will be nobody else on the face of this earth to do that. And later in, in today's program, I will also share some of the examples I've seen of remote islands where, you know, in, in you know, collaboration of Tariqizidi, we've also went to very remote locations in the world but just to give you a brief example of it, I'll talk about it a little bit later today. But in essence, what it has the Muslim always on to say, he said, I emphasize to the community that they should understand the importance of this scheme and devote their full attention, their full attention to it and try their utmost to make it a success, ensuring that no individual, no individual in the community who can afford it is left out. So here he is opening the, the, this, this, this scheme and making sure that each one of us understands what it's, what's so unique about the scheme. Why is it so important? Who cares really about these remote locations? And, and why should it be each one of us should be participating? Why not a section of us or just our parents or our kids or, or just a portion should be enough for everybody to devote? And so there's where we want to open this, this concept up where success really lies in everybody's sacrifice, not just a handful. It's got to be everybody. And, and you look at the example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, you find, you know, the Holy Prophet himself was sacrificing, but there was a time when there was a great need. And so when he makes his need, uh, you know, apparent, who walks up first? Hazrat Umar comes and he says, I brought half of everything I own so I can contribute. And at this point, I'm going to beat, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, sway or, or finally get ahead of, you know, Hazrat Abu Bakr, who has always surpassed him in the past. 
And lo and behold, Hazrat Abu Bakr shows up with 100% of everything he owns. So why is, why is the Holy Prophet appealing to everybody at this point? Why is everybody being asked to contribute? That is really the question here. And I wanted to break it down with a beautiful statement, a beautiful explanation by Hazrat al-Muslimah himself in another place about the idea of sacrifice. And it's a bit long, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share portions at a time and give you a snippet of the translation as we go along. So he says, I say again, pay full attention to these sacrifices. He said, whether you are young or old, man or woman, each one of us should be looking towards these sacrifices. He said, because without these sacrifices, there cannot be success. And that's the key point here. He says, Lekin main dekhta hoon ke baaz mar to kurbaniyan karte hain magar unki biviyan aur bache nahi karte. He says, and yet I have seen that in some households, the husbands or the fathers are sacrificing, but the wives and the children are not sacrificing. He says, unka netija ye hota hai ke tarakki nahi hoti He's like, and the end result is this. They do not achieve success. They don't get to that success mark that we're all hoping to get to. We're assuming that just our father has made the sacrifices enough. But here Hazrat al-Muslim is saying, you're not going to make it. This is not enough. Then he goes on further to say, he says, He said, it is, it is dire. It is a great need. Each and every one of us should begin to sacrifice for our faith. He said, Agar mard kurbaniya karne wale ho, aur aurte aur bache na ho, to ye bhi koi umda baat nahi. He said, and if just the men are sacrificing and the women and the children are not, there's nothing good in this. There's nothing special or unique in that kind of sacrifice. Then he says, aur agar mard aur aurat mein kurbaniya karte hain, aur bache na karte hain, he says again, if the men and the women, meaning the fathers and the mothers, they are sacrificing, but the children are not, then you will not attain success. Again, the doors of success will remain closed. Then he says further, he says, Agar phir mard aur bache kurbaniya karte ho, aur orte na karte ho, to ye baat bhi tarakki ke liye muzir hai. Is again, if the parent, meaning sorry, if the father and the children, they are sacrificing, but the wife or the mother is not, again, they will not be successful. You see how much he's giving these examples so that all of those excuses we may have, we can remove them. He's giving every single scenario you can think of. Then he says, Sorry, he says, then he says, Tarakki sirf isi surat mein ho sakti hai. He says, success can only be achieved when the husbands and fathers are sacrificing, when the wives and the mothers are sacrificing, and when the children are sacrificing as well. So this is really, the, in a nutshell, what we are trying to convey, that it's a matter of participation. It's not about how much. It is participation. It is making us understand that why on earth would we want to give this sacrifice? And if we are, how many of us are? It's about the participation. 
even if we have the lowest amount collected in the world, but we have 100% participation, then that goes a long way. That is where the real essence of this scheme really should be. And to give you an example, there was a new convert that I know of, Alhamdulillah, here in America. And he's very new. He's only been a few years now. But I've seen, you know, through my close interaction with him that every time somebody shares any scheme on any group chat with the Jamaat, he happens to be on the Jamaat group chat. When he sees it, immediately, without thinking, without spending, wasting too much time on it, he immediately goes and puts some money there. When I checked his record, he had paid for Battle Futu Mosque. He had paid for Fuzli Umar Hospital. Name it, <laughs> he had paid for it because every time anybody put anything anywhere, he made sure that he would pay something towards it. At one instance, even he was standing in the mosque and he was reminded that you have to pay so-and-so, his Waqfidi, one of the two, you should pay it. And he said, oh, you know what? And they said, we don't, we, don't have any, we don't have the record in front of us. We don't know if you've paid it yet or not. So we'll check later and let you know. He said, no, you know what? No, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait a single moment. He took out his wallet and I know him. He's the type of person who probably wanted to take that money and buy his kids something, you know, buy them some food on the way home or something like this. But he took out his wallet, whatever was in it, he took it out and he gave it for the scheme. So that's really the, the passion that we should have. Some of us may be born Ahmadis as I was born Ahmadi as well. And all of us have this where we start to take things for granted. And one of the best ways to do that is to look at those who have entered Ahmadiyya. See the passion in their eyes. And why is that passion there? What on earth are we missing? Clearly we're missing something if they have this love and passion for contributing and sacrificing and we don't have it. And so this brings me really to this unique story that I remember that was actually mentioned by Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih al-Khamis in one of his you know, Jalsa progress report speeches that's just two, three hours long at Jalsa UK. And the story goes that there was this elderly man in one of these remote islands. This is the example I wanted to give you. That on one end, we're talking about remote areas in Asia and Africa, but there are also these remote islands, uh, which is how I got a chance to see really the dedication of these people and their sacrifice. And so this man um, decided that he would start collecting cans. And he would collect it so that, you know, just for, just for his own income. He had no other source of income. So he began collecting cans. And he collected it for an entire year. I remember every time we come to the mosque, he would look around the mosque. If we had any extra cans, he'd put them in his bag and he would take it and recycle it. And he would cycle, recycle, recycle. And finally, they, they wouldn't release the funds until you ask it for once and for all. And so he finally went and he got his payday, so to speak. And he came straight to the mosque and he was so happy and jubilant and he hands me $10 and he says, Rabbi Saab, put this down as my chanda or my, you know, tariki, whatever it is, put this down as my sacrifice. And I said, $10, wow, you must have made a lot because $10 is a lot for this gentleman. And he says, yeah, alhamdulillah, I made $30. Now imagine for a moment, for an entire year's work, he finally made $30. He decided to give one third of it without thinking in a heart, within a heartbeat. This is a sacrifice of somebody who doesn't know where the next meal in his day is going to come. This is a person who is praying day and night, who is reading the Holy Quran day and night. This is a person who's devoted, who's, who's educated, who's training people around town. He, he's not just somebody who has no other means or no other way of sacrifices. Sometimes we, we put people aside saying, oh, he just must be that kind of person. This guy was a former mayor of his remote island. He was, he's very educated, very influential. 
And yet when he received the $30, he decided that 10 should go for the sacrifice. This is the kind of sacrifice we want to instill in everybody. Try your best to give and give it without thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow because God will give. He really is. The thing is, as Nasrullah Sahib has already mentioned, the Prophet Islam said, you are lucky in a way that we're not, that Islam is not asking you to give up your lives. But you are unlucky in a way because the mighty dollar is so strong that people are willing to give their lives for this mighty dollar. So right now, the real sacrifice is if we are able to part away, distance ourselves or be able to disconnect from the materialism and to be able to give a contribution, give some sacrifice. That brings me to this one of these very beautiful quotes of Hazrat Al-Khamis, Aziz. He says, this actually happened in Qadiyan. He says, in this age of rampant materialism and commercialism, when public, especially in the Western world, is bombarded with enticements to purchase merchandise, the Holy Quran guides us, setting forth the contrast of a bargain. What is that bargain? Bargain of striving in the way of Allah with one's wealth. Those who are well off should consider if the donations they make are real sacrifices. That's the question here. We call it financial sacrifice. But what is a sacrifice? It is something you willingly give and it hurts. So we're not asking people to unwillingly give like it's a tax. No. If you don't want to give it, don't give it. But it's the, the willingness must be there. But at the same time, it shouldn't be such a, a light gesture where you've given something and you don't feel it. You don't even remember whether you gave waqf jadid or tariq jadid or not. It should be something that you give and it hurts just enough that you can go down in sajda and you can say to Allah Almighty, Oh Allah, that hurt. Now you have to help me fill that void, fill that gap, fill that whatever I missed by giving this contribution, by giving this financial sacrifice. That's really the key. And so that brings me back to this very last aspect of what Waqf Jadid is. Waqf Jadid is helping to support, helping to educate, to give medical aid, and to give spiritual training to places that are so far remote that you and I cannot even imagine going there. But we're so blessed that there are people who are born in Ahmadiyya who are willing to give away that life of leisure, the life of living in the Bahamas. And they're saying, no, we won't live that life. We will instead pack up our bags, move to these remote locations where they have no education, they have nothing, no resources whatsoever. We will live among them. We will marry among them. We'll have children. We will have, we'll probably be buried in these very places. But we will remain here so that we can help these remote locations or help these people who need God's help. All we're asking now is whether you and I find that sacrifice of theirs important enough that we too should take part in it. So may Allah help us to really understand this impact of preaching and teaching and educating and supporting those human beings who live in these remote locations through this beautiful scheme of our Prajadid. Amin. Summa Amin.